The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. All right, gang, we're sitting down now on this episode of the Dealer Playbook Podcast with my pal, Lisa Jiner. Just kidding. <laughs> Lisa Jenner, the Chief Revenue Officer at Dealer Alchemist. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Wait, Playbook you're not Podcast. Really gonna put that out there, right? Oh, yeah, I totally am. <laughs> are you kidding me? Amazing. Um, How are you? When did you I'm get good. into town? Got in yesterday. Yeah, and you're from Texas, so this isn't a culture shock. No, I'm you. so excited to be in our home state. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you brought a cowboy hat? I did not, but I brought some big cowboy boots. And here's why. Because okay. I've got all the flair happening. We're going to the Brad Paisley concert tonight. And I've got the fur vest, you know, okay. with the big cowgirl boots. And okay. so the hat was like over the top. I mean, if I added the hat, I would have to add a buckle. And then, you know, yeah. it's a whole it's a whole other I level. feel like such a poser and and I know I should just accept that I live here and I, I can can I call myself a Texan? I don't know. I There's feel like a few qualifying questions. Yeah. Okay. So well, uh, do you, you say y'all? I do say y'all, and it happens so naturally, I found. Okay. And do you say fixin' to? Like I'm fixing to go to the not grocery yet, store. All right. Not yet. Once you reach that <laughs> you know, the fill fit or the cowboy hat anytime you want to. That's awesome. Um, I see you guys are exhibiting here. You guys have been making a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't want to say waves, but a lot of awareness coming around Dealer Alchemist. I was just downstairs listening to, I guess, some opening remarks, and they were talking a lot about how, you know, they're starting to see the industry move into kind of not a backslide, but returning to pre-pandemic conditions. And the call was that um, we need to start paying attention to expenses and something you had just mentioned to me pre-show. I want to dig into a little bit. How does maybe tell me a little bit about dealer alchemist, what it is that you guys do. And then what are your thoughts on how can we help dealers pay attention to allocating their money appropriately? Well, there has been a tremendous amount of waste, you know, even pre pandemic. um, And, I mean, this is a loaded question and my brain's going a million miles a minute because there's so many things. But I right. think right now there is a shift in inventory awareness and what's happening in the marketplace. There is more awareness about, around what's happening with used cars and the adjustment of pricing as the market does adjust. And so, yeah, it is time to get really proficient, I think, in our spend. Um, our technology is very focused on inventory and product mm. because that is how buyers are buying their products today you know you go on amazon you look for your product you click buy it's delivered to your home right and so for i think um there to be more awareness around that this is how the consumers are purchasing they're looking for the product so to spend a bunch of money on your dealer name or you know local branded regional terms right. like right. that is a big consumption of spend that i see regularly and dealers are also spending money on seo and there's a strategy that you can implement that 
prevents you from spending and wasting money on your free organic traffic so that you can focus the money on pushing your product in front of a much higher propensity to buy audience. Mm. And so that's where our technology is super focused. How do you navigate the balance of higher quality historically has meant lower volume of leads or whatever. And then, and then what I notice is there's kind of this back and forth where it's like, Oh, but we're not getting enough leads now. So we need to ramp up the volume. Is that contributing to this waste or, or is there a way to kind of balance and reconcile higher quality is what you're after anyways? Yeah. I mean, definitely quality of leads and there's always the, the old adage and the antiquated, I need more leads. You know, what, what you need is you need more better quality leads. Right. Right. And so when you're spending your money on paid search and paid social, you know, you want to make sure if you're focused on your product and depending on your market size, um, and there's a lot of, you know, things that you could put inside of an algorithm, uh, depend on your market, depending on your market size, but you want to make sure that you're getting your unfair share of eyes on your product for the products that you do have and that you're focused on those conversion, the, on the conversion of those buyers. I mean, if you're spending money on Honda Accord, I mean, a buyer knows the color, they know the trim level. Right. So that would be a consideration and that's where you want to focus your um, you know, the, the foundation of your digital advertising strategy, your technical SEO, um, to show up in those searches. But for a buyer, we know who's in the market. We know who's searching on third party sites and we qualify the conversion process and we focus the spend on the mid and low funnel conversion it, spots. It blows me away, right? Like 2023 at time of recording this. So if you're listening well into the future and my beard's all gray, <laughs> I still don't have any hair, but it, the state of things in 2023 is there's people that are like, Wait, I was I was just talking about Universal Studios, and now my phone's showing me all these ads for Universal Studios. I don't get how, <laughs> and it's, we forget that every click, every interaction that we have is like the internet's a perfect listener. Yeah, it's it's. I hate to break it to you, it's a better listener than your partner, <laughs> and it pays attention. Yes, it really knows you. Right. So to your point about we, when you make a statement like we know what customers are doing online. Like we really do at really this stage do. of the game. We know what they're doing. Yeah. How are you leveraging that now to say, okay, well, first, how are you auditing? Here's all your wasted spend. And here's how we can make it more effective. What are some of the common, I guess, mistakes you see and common strategies that you would recommend implementing? Well, one thing I definitely advocate for is being really transparent. So... Right. I'm doing audits every week. And what I would say is a shift that is really needed in our industry is that most programs that were developed, let's just focus on, for example, OEM approved programs, right? Right. Um, they were really built for new car strategies. Right. And then the whole industry shifted in a major way, right? Right. And so... When that has happened, what I'm seeing, because of that happening, what I'm seeing is that the pivot for those programs is to spend half or more of the dealer's budget on dealership name, regional, you know, Nissan test drive right. near me, Nissan right. dealer near me. Right. And what you'll see is when the focus is on that budget, you'll see an increase in like people just trying to get to the website for to make a service appointment. So you'll see a, a shift in service activity. And so 
I see a lot of waste that's been there. Mm. You know, why are you buying your name and you're not spending any money on <laughs> your product? Because my competitor's buying my name. <laughs> but they're not. Right. right. Most audits right. I'm doing of dealers buying their name, nobody, right. nobody is buying their name. So it's just, you know, I also think there's a, a considerable amount of waste focus on performance max ads right now. Mm. Um, and, and dealers don't really know what's happening inside of those, inside of those strategies. Um, I'm seeing the providers really hide what's happening inside of the construct of those strategies. And so I think VLAs are really good focus, but let's use this analogy. If I want to buy an electric toothbrush, I'm not going to go to every grocery store website, pharmacy website, <laughs> you know, every right. Walgreens in town trying right. to find. I'm just going to search for that electric toothbrush. I wanted that right. product to pop up. And it's an instant gratification technology environment that we're living right. in. Yeah. And so that's what we that's what we focus on too. Yeah. So would you rather spend your money on somebody <laughs> that's thinking about buying a car, you know, in the next six months and they're not sure if they want to? a Camry or an Accord or do you want somebody that do you want to show your product in front of somebody that is dialed in on the trim level dialed mm. in on a color dialed that, in on a year this is okay so first of all I've never thought about it in the concept of a toothbrush and this is brilliant because you're right like in order to find a toothbrush I'm not going to Google typing in CVS and then Walmart and then Amazon. I'm just typing in the toothbrush that I want, like Colgate, whatever. Yeah. And it's the same thing for vehicles. I'm not typing in Chevy dealer. I'm typing in Chevy Silverado. I love when I see paid search for pre-owned truck. <laughs> like burn it up, baby. Yeah. Do what you got to do. But you know, we How really want consumers. To do you think actually use the term pre-owned? Hardly any, like, yeah. It's kind of the same thing as um, technician. Yeah. You know, like how many just common general public are calling you a technician versus a mechanic? Right. Yeah. You know, I always think about that. So the, the good validation there, like. And it's really, I think when, when I, when I consult with dealers, I really want to understand what their, mo what their motive is. Like, what do they want? And it always comes back to selling more cars, right? Right. And so, but through that process, you know, OTT is a big topic right now. Everybody's selling it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody right. has a different flavor. It's like Baskin right. Robbins, but right. you know, well, I don't watch commercials. Okay. But you don't, you know, right. but what do you think your, you know, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram consumers, how are they living their life, you know, right. and, and, and taking them through that journey to get them to kind of step back and be like a consumer. So we, we talk about that a lot too with dealers. Um, on the topic of OTT. I'm, I'm curious, you know, and maybe I'm completely out in left field here and I'm open to that because it wouldn't be the first time. I, I tend to think of a marketing mix as like a tapestry. It's not about the tapestry. It's about that the tapestry has all these individual threads that make up the yes. tapestry, right? So you've got OTT, you have vehicle, Google vehicle ads, you've got Facebook, you've got, you know, all the... But to that end, I'm curious where you see in the overall marketing mix, where would you see something like OTT or even like um, I'm seeing Hulu, you know, right. like companies like Amazon's Hulu, that Amazon, right? right? Now, yeah. where, how does that fit in? What, what should the conditioning of our mindset be? Because I know in our industry in particular, it's always like, did it get me a lead? Totally. And what and how, how effective it? is it? And how do we measure attribution right. is this super hot topic? And I'm really excited to see how that evolves. Um, but what I would say is that 
It really depends. And so for OTT, what our technology does is it's very focused, again, on product. Like, it's not a branded commercial. There's right. space for that. Right. Um, especially if you're a new dealership or a new point, you've got a new branding message, you're under new ownership, you know, push that. You feel like you're doing really effective job on your digital advertising and you have some extra budget to spend. But... Uh, ours is focused on the product. So, for example, if a consumer comes to a, a customer, comes to a dealer website, and they're looking at Ram 1500s, and then later on they're watching TV in their home, and they're watching Yellowstone. Right. Love that yeah. show. Yes, 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 show. yes. Yellowstone, um, Yellowstone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> everybody. Um, then they're going to see a commercial that's specific to their search of the Ram 1500s. And so it's very dialed into the, the targeted audience for that specific product. So I right. think there's space for that. The other thing that I would add to the tapestry texture, I, I like that analogy, is that one thing that I hyper-focus on with dealers is customization. We have so many cookie-cutter programs, so many automated right. programs, right. and it's just like, oh, you're a Chevy dealer in Houston? Right. Here's your program. Oh, you're in Timbuktu? Same program. Right. You know, and so we really drill down into the custom customization for the dealer. What does your market look like? Mm. How many new are you selling? How many used are you selling? Right. What are your goals? Yeah. You know, and we really start to understand what the marketplace is like for their geography, what the consumer looks like in their market area. You're only going to sell so many cars a month in a particular geographic location, right? right? And right. then drilling down on that customization. What does the transactional data look like for your customer? Mm. You know, where are you pulling from? How are those zip codes converting on Google for this marketplace? Right. And so I think when it comes to OTT, there's not a one for all answer either, you know? Um, but one thing I will say that I'm seeing that is, I think, detrimental is when I see OTT budgets that outweigh search budgets. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Search is still a strong, like, are you, so are you suggesting search should be the primary driver? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, people, that's where people are looking to buy products. Right. And the intent, like right out of the gates, it, yeah. it, it shouldn't be difficult to understand the intent level of someone proactively going and typing something in versus having it basically uh, interrupt their patterns. Yes. Right. Like not to be all whatever here, but like, when I go into an airport bathroom yeah. and there's a TV in my face at the urinal, I'm not thinking about what's on that TV. Does that keep you there longer? I'm just curious. It, it does not keep me there longer. It actually makes the whole scenario more awkward, right? Because now you're just a bunch of dudes staring at a wall. But it's interrupting something. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think about that even... When, I get in, when I've been in Vegas, too, and I'm, like, ready to go home to the airport and the little TV in the background, <laughs> the back of the taxi seat, I'm You're just like, like God, leave me alone. Yeah, like, I get out, gas the And TV I think about that, though. That's See, this is how limited-minded I can be sometimes because that was the only example I could come up with <laughs> in the moment. But I think it's a, it's a pattern interrupter versus, like you're saying about search, I'm interrupting my own pattern with the intention of finding something in particular. Yes. Have you played around with the chat GPTs and all the craze? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that going to be a pattern interrupter for Google, you think? Like, do you, do you see that kind of level of AI being a more natural part of people's vehicle searching? Um, 
I know it's really early to tell. It's so really this is early. very where I'm very interested is how it's going to disrupt the traditional SEO programs that exist mm. right now, the content SEO programs. And we don't talk about SEO enough in transparency, I feel like in our industry. Right. You know, in two thousand and 16, 17, landing pages, content, right. Google, Google, tell microsites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. All the landing right, right. pages. Right. Yeah. And, and Google said, this is what you need in order to be relevant. Now, right. all of that shifted. Now you have Google, Google business profile pages. And right. that's really kind of your like new homepage for your right. site. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still dumping money into content SEO. Really the off page factors are really 75% more important than you know, and this is all like the, mm. the content SEO portion is really, I think, the extra. Right. You know, it's doing the extra, but fix your technical SEO first. Right. Fix the foundation that actually supports your relevant, right. um, you know, Google positioning. And also make sure your Google business profile is dialed in. And we have 75,000 name, address, phone number listings, and they're all wrong. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy is in these audits, I see all the time that the listing with the Facebook is wrong for the dealership. Why, and how they're do paying we, a two thousand dollar SEO fee a month, I mean, and I'm like, yeah. oh, come on. That that was originally at the beginning of the conversation. That's something I was thinking about because I know I've personally seen where you know this this dealership is paying six hundred and fifty, eight fifty, a thousand fifty a month for SEO services. Not part statement, right? Yeah. And they're you know when we dig into it for them we realize that it was just bundled as part of a cookie cutter program that they weren't actually getting a deliverable on there's nothing happening you're spending 14 yeah. 15 20,000 a year and getting nothing nothing how's those meta tags looking oh there's nothing in there what's cool. the meta tag yeah, <laughs> yeah right um that is so interesting so you mentioned you do these audits um yeah. i'm guessing you're you're obviously looking at their ad spend you're looking at their uh, uh, SEO, search rankability, all those sorts of things, technical SEO. And now you're mentioning Facebook. So it's including a social, there's a social audit oh, yeah. in there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm surprised by the, there's not as many, but there's still a certain number of dealers that are not spending on social. And again, it comes from a lot of times it's from the dealer's perspective. Well, I don't spend time on Facebook. So. Right. Well, but everybody else is, you know, and, and when you start to understand the cost per conversion there and how people are spending their time there, and this right. comes back to the OTT segment too that we talked about is you do want to be on all the devices right. in all the places where your customers are spending time sure. to reinforce your right. unified message. And that is a big baseline of our strategy as well. Hey, not all of us can spend all the time in the Palm <laughs> Desert. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not on Facebook. Right. But I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Do you see, um, we talked about search and the intent behind search. Mm-hmm. How do you see social playing into that? Because it's, I mean, yeah, okay, you're running ads. We can see more of a direct attribution. But then there's the branding side of it as well that, you know, what we're posting on our page and how does that map? What kind of conversations or, or recommendations rather would you make to a dealer that's like, ah, but I only, I post and I only get two engagements like is it even doing anything right yeah i mean i think it's it's about more engagement you know and i really love what kyle and paul are doing because they're talking about building branding for your store and hiring something somebody internally and i really do think that's an internal dealership employee position is to have somebody that's inside your store taking pictures of people who just bought cars having experiences uh humanizing i think 
our industry through salespeople and through people that work inside the stores, through women that are working inside dealerships, is that is what's relatable. When you look at how customers are influenced and how they're buying through who they're influenced, it's because they relate to those individuals. So how can you humanize the people that are that are your brand? This is your brand mm, culture. This is your dealership right. culture. And how can you humanize that and make that relatable to your audience? Mm, you know, and I right. think that that is an internal position for the store because it takes a lot of time and a lot of work to create content. Um, and then externally on the technology side, you definitely should have your inventory um, supported and running through social as well. Love it. I'm going to toss it back to you with one more question. Okay. How did the name Dealer Alchemist come about? Yeah. It's, it's unique, right? It is unique. Has yeah. dealer, so we understand it. And then yeah. we're alchemist and we're like, whoa, lab coats. That's the first thing that came to my mind. So how yes. did it all come about? So one of our partners came up with the name and it's absolutely brilliant. And it is. It's about taking everything, you know, that is not alchemized, right, in our industry and especially around digital advertising. I mean, you know, what is the hardest thing about our jobs? I think it's about really connecting with dealers and getting them to a place of trust because there's been a lot of distrustful things that have happened inside of the snake oils for so long, for so long and a lack of transparency and a lack of education and, and the uh, monopoly off of that lack of education as well. So um, I think it's our duty as dealer partners to collaborate and to make each other better and to make each other more um, transparent and to help really help dealers yeah. and really care about them. And so the, the alchemy of that, what happens inside of that place uh, is, you know, that's our brand, Dealer I Alchemist. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, How can you. those listening get in touch with you to learn more about Dealer Alchemist? Um, I'm on LinkedIn, just Lisa Jenner, <laughs> G-E-N-E-R. You know why I did it, You know my mom's watching this, right? I know, but you know why I did it? Because I fear getting people's names wrong. Yeah. And you know Patrick Abad. Uh-huh. Everyone's calling him Patrick Abad, and I uncovered it's actually Patrick Abad. I'm so glad you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, a bad. What's so, cool beginning when you were like, uh, people say Jenner, 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 Jenner. I was like, I just had to. I'm like, yeah. everybody listening, everybody watching. Now you know how to pronounce this. I'll know who watched this episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. You're just going to be walking around the floor. I'm so sorry. They're going to start calling me that. Brilliant. Thanks so much for spending some of your time with thank me. Thank you. Today. It's always great. Yeah, thank you. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.